The Soul of an Internet Machine, a podcast journaling the adventures of a business and a software development team figuring their way through the challenges of launching a new venture. We make the occasional good decision, spend time following bad ones, and get trapped by world events. Ping me, Christina Moore, on Twitter at Seymour underbar SP. That's Charlie Mike, C-M-O-O-R-E underbar SP, or at the website, ChristinaMoore.us. Chapter 4, Plans. By July 2019, we drafted perfect plans. We'll get to market something quick. We will hit 75,000 subscribers within six months, and we'll all beat all related records. Of course, we were wrong. Our plans for marketing and technology fizzled by August. By September, we exuded confidence as we found new paths forward. One element of our plan remained pretty solid the product name. With a product name and a marketing plan and a technical plan, we needed a business structure. Then it goes, grows, and fumbles on from there. The original marketing plan involved getting pulled along by a powerhouse in the podcasting market space. Some super big, super important person that I've never heard of, a name mentioned with reverence. We had a backup super important person, another global influencer, and even a backup to the backup. Regardless of the charismatic influencer, the plan involves splitting revenue with that human being for their market. This is why I was being told to use pastel versions of pink and green, which I entirely hated. My business partner, John, hated the palette too. I say those colors are exclusionary. A huge pile of people looking at anything with those colors would say, that is just not for me, while walking on. In my youth, I knew of a few men who could wear such colors, but only at the country club and the golf course. By September, thankfully, we had abandoned pink and green. Kelly worked towards new plans. Together, Kelly and I walked the roads around our place in Vermont, re-inventorying our assets and our direction. By the time we took this walk, the technical team had hit our first major failure and setback. What was a few quick thoughts of take an existing product, paint it pink and green, sell it to an enthusiastic market, proved to be a bit optimistic, reminding us that a product launch or a business launch is always more complicated and has more setbacks and requires more work than one envisions in the early hours. Our technical failure, told in the next chapter, related to our needs to process payments. Data security stands as a global crisis and a problem. Data firms love to collect it, and thieves love to collect it. If you do not collect the types of data that data thieves put a high value on, then you've reduced your risk somewhat. John and I host systems that manage a lot of money on behalf of governments, but that money is not cash. It cannot be spent. We track and record activities related to the money, and we tell our clients that we do not accept the storage of personal identification information, also called PII, storing tax identification numbers, personal addresses, dates of birth, and the like, involves a heightened level of security. While we meet and exceed these standards, we also do not like the risks. Our system does not require these data, so why open ourselves to this exposure? Our podcasting project with an engine or tool that we will sell retail 
means that we must find a way of accepting payments and working very closely with PII. Holding PII and working in a retail space increases risks significantly. John and I run a firm that is rather obscure and has little visibility. We sell to governments and basically nobody else. We don't need to advertise or do much that is flashy. The podcast project will run ads and make a murmur that may be heard around the globe. Notoriety cuts both ways. With revenue and visibility may also mean that you are a lovely, succulent target for thieves. Working with credit cards and bank data requires even more scrutiny than storing PII. The PII is the sort of thing that one can find in a telephone book or voter registrations or records of donations to political parties. While sensitive, people often publish it anyway. Credit cards and financial data ticks up the concern. The Payment Card Industry Data Security Standard, PCI DSS, is a globally accepted means of increasing controls around cardholder data and reducing the risk of credit card fraud. Any firm that accepts credit cards must work within the PCI, Payment Credit Card Industry Standards. The absolute best means of complying with these standards is by not collecting or managing data related to cardholder data. Ironic. In order to get paid by any retail customer on the internet, you must accept credit cards and online credit processes. When you do, you increase your risk of exposure and step into a strict regulatory environment. Risk exposure and financial regulations cost money. Adherence is also good. This is not the moment for a business owner to spew, regulations are evil. Following the regulations protect people, their credit, and all sorts of good things. John, an expert in cybersecurity, firmly stated, we are not touching credit cards. I offered no argument. Therefore, we need a vendor to manage credit card purchases for us at that wire speed we expect in the center of the internet. In other words, the moment a customer pays, we set up accounts, email a welcome statement, and do all of the right things, and do it without delays. Done right and well, we have minimal compliance issues and provide proper safeguards to our customers. The master plan has a few tasks. One, develop a product name. Two, a business plan and a business structure. Three, find a vendor slash partner to manage credit cards and payments. Four, design a means of registering a customer without any effort by our staff or with added delays. Five, redesign the application with a new color scheme. Yay! Six, design a new marketing plan. Seven, Studying the software for improvements. I mean, why not? We're taking out a paintbrush to recolor it anyway. Product branding. The Apple Computer Company formed in 1976. The internet protocol was two years old. The barest skeleton existed for the ARPANET, the predecessor to the internet, which was then 10 years old. In 1976 was six years prior to the release of the IBM PC. Apple Records is a record label founded by the Beatles in 1968. In the 2000s, the two companies named Apple, each with an Apple profile as a logo, collided and faced conflicts with online music services. In 1962, the Chevrolet Automobile Company introduced the Nova as a small automobile. The name stuck around for two decades. In Latin, Nova means new. In Spanish, Nova means not going. Few people want to have a car that does not go. 
I'm more of a vamanos sort of person. IBM introduced a product named the Personal Computer, which everyone abbreviated to PC. People got particular enough about their brand loyalty that if you asked a user of an Apple computer to go get their personal computer, meaning the computer that they personally owned, they would inform you that they do not have a personal computer. IBM effectively took two common words and branded them together. Owners of Apple products eschewed any sort of personal computer. They owned an Apple. Thus endeth my treatise on branding. Branding is important. It is global, and the context of the brand name changes with decades. When branding via the internet, there are added challenges. The name you want must be available for a price that is reasonable and must be safe. For a while in the 1990s, the domain whitehouse.com carried the unsuspected visitor to a porn site. My checklist for branding a product or a company involves the following. 1. Check the name in other languages. Thank Nova. Two, check the misspellings of the name. Three, break the name into funny segments. Top or not also reads to porn OT. Avoid that bit of awkwardness in your life. Unless you are serving porn, then Charlie Mike. Continue movement, my friend. Search the name aggressively on internet search tools, news articles around the globe. Anything that might show you why Madoff's mattresses might result in some surprises in the market space. Search the domain name with your favorite trusted vendor for such things and be ready to execute. When you find a name, buy it. There are unscrupulous people and unscrupulous vendors who, when finding interest in a name, buy it while you ponder. Better to buy and let the name expire or go in a year than to lose the perfect name because you took two days to think. Buy the domain name with some popular variants. We use a .co version for a Google account, and we use the .com version for Microsoft accounts and emails. Also, be fair. You have 8 billion neighbors living on this little blue marble. Maybe you're that person just buying domains to hold them hostage as a business model. Good for you. Sleep well. I'll sleep a bit better by being a bit fairer. Our team bought podcastflow.com within hours of having the idea. By mid-July, we had bought related domains, podcastflow.info and podcastflow.net. In early October 2019, Kelly envisioned selling a course about planning, production, promotion, and profiting from podcasts. The first name was Podcast with Purpose. I immediately drew a cartoon image of a porpoise at a microphone wearing a headset. From then on, John and I insisted that the course was named Podcast with a Porpoise. Within days, Kelly found a podcast and other internet material with similar names. We backed away from the name Podcast with Purpose, or Porpoise. Our process remained consistent as we expanded the business plan and the marketing plan. Search, check, review in multiple languages, chunk up the letters oddly, then execute blindingly fast. One of our course names is Hack Your Podcast. John and I still prefer to call this Hacky Hour Podcast. It's the same spelling, and it annoys Kelly to our delight. Business Venture. John and I own a company together. Kelly does her own thing. Therefore, we needed a new business venture to unify the effort. We registered Podcast Flow LLC in Vermont. I wrote our agreement on an email, resulting in something that was slightly more formal 
than the napkin agreement or the handwritten agreement one would find online note paper. We used no lawyers and accepted very little risk. We own this, you own that. We're joining forces as podcast flow for this purpose. In time, we did formalize and improve it. We accepted the small risks associated with an informal email at the beginning. Then we did get lawyers involved and a CPA and all of that messiness, but not in the first months. Credit cards and PayPal. In the next chapter, I explore our efforts and failures with PayPal. I alone thought PayPal belonged in our plan. Within months, I retreated with frustration. We were defeated by PayPal. There slips PayPal into history. Bye-bye, PayPal. You're now a faded sticker in a store window. Semper Gumby. The master plan remains as flexible as my plastic friend Gumby. Within six months of our simple idea to reuse an existing product, we were building a new product, actually two. We blasted through two more marketing plans, and we recognized we needed more online partners, and we recognized that our help desk tools and software were insufficient for the job ahead, and we needed to find a means of collecting sales tax in the United States. The complexity manifested day by day in front of us. Our failure to recognize the growing scope, well, rather our willingness to expand our own scope, resulted in delays and added work and added costs. We were a tiny company with few financial resources investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in research and development. We pursued the investment with an understanding of a rapid payback with a brilliant and large launch of a product into a welcoming global market of podcasters. By December 2019, we all started seeing news of a new virus in Asia. By January, we knew it was in the United States. An old expression from the Army is that no battle plan survives the first bullet. The corollary to this adage is no business plan survives a global pandemic. Another battlefield expression is Semper Gumby, always flexible, a newer marketing plan. Marketing plan version 2.0, or was it 3.0? Hmm. We recognized, everyone recognizes that people do not buy software. Frankly, a lot of people hate software. In a prior chapter, I stated that software, apps, applications, and websites are all the same thing. To some, apps are sexy and cool, whereas software is stodgy and gray. Regardless, Kelly started designing courses for podcasters to resolve specific issues, share tricks and techniques, and also to support our app. This approach cradles our podcaster customers in the warmth, nurturing happiness that they may want. Unknown to me was that each version of this marketing plan required additional technical effort, additional software development, and additional costs. Harumph. The Soul of an Internet Machine is a copyrighted production of Fire Media LLC 2020, all rights reserved. You can find me at my website, christinamore.us. Email is okay too, christina at christinamore.us. Mm-hmm.